0: Welcome to the discussion, Keeping Teams Together While Working Far Apart, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin.
1: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Peter Marshall. He's the solutions architect at Thundercat Technology and Bob Schumann, deputy chief technical officer at Riverbed. And gentlemen, it's good to have you. I want to discuss uh, start by discussing the unprecedented explosion we're seeing in the use of telework, the use of VPNs, all of this connectivity across the government because of the coronavirus. If you would, let's start with you, uh, Peter, and maybe give us a sense of what we're learning here, uh, just from the 30,000-foot view.
2: Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me, uh, for sure. This is, is, uh, as you had mentioned, an unprecedented time where the explosion of telework has has obviously forced uh, The demands on the wide area networks and a lot of distributed systems that is just hadn't been planned for, hadn't been uh, prepared for. Um, Typically, when you're seeing a a federal agency, you maybe have 10, 20, 30 percent of the workforce being remote at any given time, and now you're looking at almost 100 percent on them. So the burden that it's placed upon their infrastructure and and even some of the carrier's infrastructure um, is really a challenge right now for most of my customers.
3: Rob? From my perspective, you know, there's a, some good news, which is basically the internet is a lot more stable than we thought, right? So we haven't seen any major outages. Everybody's able to pretty much get stuff done um, for the most part. But as soon as you're looking at the federal networks that are out there that people are accessing, I'm seeing customers go from tw- 2,500 users to now 60 to 80,000 users. So a massive explosion of end users that are now having access over VPN And customers are having to figure out how do they deal with the two choke points, right? The home network, right? So the Wi-Fi, that home access, and then the choke point that's in in the data center, which is essentially the VPN concentrator and the infrastructure that's there. So they're figuring out these choke points exist. And now they're trying to go through, you know, what is it that we can do to ensure that people can work from home effectively?
1: Yeah, it sounds almost like the parallel that the world is covered with 75% water, but not everyone necessarily has enough to drink at a given standpoint or a given point in time.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, people have been building networks and they've been planning for disasters. They've been doing, you know, coupes, uh, scenarios, things of that nature. But there's a lot of networks that are out there that are going to be stressed beyond what anyone ever thought was gonna be required of them, right? So 10, 20% of your user base being remote was kind of normal for for some customers. And now it's 100%. And there's things we're finding out about the uh, internal enterprise networks that we didn't know about that we're having to work around.
1: Okay, and that gets us to our next question. And 60, 80,000 people in a given agency, a couple of hundred thousand people, maybe a million people possibly across the government. But not everyone is operating under the precisely same scenario, and you really have to have your technical solution matched to what your scenario are. What are some of the scenes, scenarios, methodologies
2: that we're seeing, Peter? Well, certainly, um, obviously, a lot of home users, uh, people coming in from, you know, whether self quarantined or whatever it is, um, and typically it's coming over some sort of established VPN. Um, but again, as we've already touched on, the, the, the level of usage is so much higher than it uh, had traditionally been. But yeah, I mean, typically you're seeing, um, as we just touched on earlier, uh, coming in over their local Wi-Fi from whatever their service provider is. Um, but I've noticed even in my place where um, I have pretty ample bandwidth, but having so many people at home, you know, extended family, whoever's staying with you, that becomes a choke point as well let alone, you know, getting back to the data center or to the cloud implementation that you're trying to attach to. Robert.
3: You know, that's actually a really key point, which is basically, you know, the normal operating scenario is if I'm working from home, it's maybe just me. I don't have a spouse that's there. My kids are probably at school, right? So they're not congesting the network. They're not doing stuff. Now all that's out the window. So you have competing you know, resource needs where you have a spouse that needs to, you know, work remotely, you need to work remotely, your kids need to be able to do, you know, the things that they need to do to continue their education. And all that stuff's happening at once. And at the exact same time, you have to use the VPN, as well as every single one of your co-workers. So, you know, that network infrastructure is really strained. And we're seeing that sort of strain exhibit itself on the commercial side. And they're in a way more prepared Um, simply because they have less stringent security requirements, right? They don't have to send all of their traffic down the VPN versus a lot of our federal customers. There is no split tunneling that's going to happen because of their stringent security requirements. And that VPN is the choke point and it has to work. Got it. So that means it could manifest itself in a couple of
1: ways. I guess latency would be the most obvious way and probably the most difficult to deal with. And so that sounds like that latency could be the result of any one of a number of chain of things, depending on how you're hooked up, the VPN itself, how much you're sharing with on the application end or the server end, and also how much you're sharing
3: in your own house. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, a, a chain of things that are connected together that all have to work well to get a good user experience. And, you know... What we'll find is that your neighbor's Wi-Fi will impact your ability to get connectivity. The number of people on a VPN concentrator, the uh, the backend infrastructure to an application, and 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 how users are going to connect to it. All those all those things are are, are interoperating or are interacting with each other. And in some cases, you know, customers that, that I'm seeing are having pretty severe uh, pain as as a result of all that stuff going on.
1: Yeah, and Peter, what are you seeing across
3: the customer? set uh, in
1: terms of latency or any other problems that might arise as a result of this shared environment?
2: Yeah, well, definitely one of the big issues which was talked about is um, the split tunneling, where normally uh, traffic that's encrypted goes one way, and then non-encrypted traffic goes another direction. But with the federal government, almost all, if not all, of that traffic is backhauled, meaning that it all goes down the pipe, even if it's completely irrelevant to the organization. And so we've seen a lot of agencies putting out mandates basically saying do not stream youtube and other streaming services while you're on our vpn because we're backhauling that traffic and that can be tremendous amounts of traffic i mean you can imagine how many streaming based services are being utilized in this uh, in this moment but that that's definitely one of the things there which absolutely can cause things like latency um packet loss jitter um a lot of them when specifically using VoIP traffic, voice over IP, the latency and jitter in there can significantly um, degrade the call quality as well. So we have to look at doing a lot of things, some common sense, don't be streaming stuff over the the VPN, but two, implementing a series of quality of service or QoS to say this traffic is more important than this traffic. If, if If there's available resources, go ahead and give it to them. But if there's not, I want you to take this piece of traffic off the pipe first. All right, we've got a lot more
1: to discuss, including some of the ways of getting around this, some of the solutions, and also maintaining cybersecurity We're going to get to all that. First, we'll take a short break. My guests today are Peter Marshall, Solutions Architect at Thundercat Technology, and Robert Schumann. He is Deputy Chief Technical Officer at Riverbed, I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is keeping teams together while working far apart. Sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed here on Federal News Network.
0: Get in-office-like productivity in a work-from-home environment with Riverbed and Thundercat Technology. Thundercat, in partnership with Riverbed, provides faster, reliable performance for business critical SaaS and on premise applications. Reduce network bandwidth by up to 99% with Riverbed's client accelerator application. And access critical work applications 10 times faster from home with office like speed. Riverbed and Thundercat, helping government streamline workforce productivity anywhere, anytime.
1: Welcome back to our discussion, Keeping Teams Together While Working Far Apart, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Robert Schumann, Deputy Chief Technical Officer at Riverbed, and Peter Marshall, Solutions Architect at Thundercat Technology. And let's discuss a little bit for a moment the difference between federal scenarios and what you're seeing commercially. And I think one of them might be the level of cloud adoption that is the case in the federal government because they are moving so incrementally into cloud computing. And most of the cloud deployment at this point is software as a service, such as Office 365, that kind of thing. So what are some of the implications of connectivity, performance, latency, with everyone teleworking when cloud is varying part of the mixture, if it has any difference at all? Robert?
3: Yeah, so the the biggest difference that I'm seeing on the commercial side versus federal is really about how you actually get there, right? So on on the commercial side, we have you know the majority of our customers going direct to Office 365, direct to any of these SaaS applications that they're leveraging. As soon as you move over onto the federal side of the market, you know you, there's trusted internet connections you're gonna have to go through. There's uh, direct connectivity. There's a lot of concerns around security, and basically those are. Uh, forming ways in which you know, we have congestion or uh, choke points in the network to help maintain that security posture. So the main difference is how do you get there um, and you know, how are you actually able to access those, those, uh, those specific resources? And Peter.
2: Yes, uh, Robert nailed it right there. Um, it's just primarily I see the security requirements on the federal side as being uh, more rigid, um, less flexibility, um, they're they're not willing to take chances uh, really along any of those lines, and as, as Robert mentioned, going through the ticks, you're also going through a security stack that is your security stack, but you may be going through another, uh, you know, somebody another agency's so their security stack as well. Which is every time you're adding into that stack, you're slowing down the traffic by basically analyzing it, capturing it, um, you know, seeing what it's actually doing, and the more times you do that the more latency you're going to get in there.
1: Yeah, and I think the Homeland Security Department is aware of that because they have discussed a directive forthcoming to last for the rest of the year. On, we don't know what the details are on changing some of the architectures or the approaches to this teleworking such that even with TIC in place, and that's pretty much a requirement for federal agencies, some of the latency, some of the issues we've discussed, lost packets would not be so much of an issue for teleworking. In your view what should they be doing how can this be rearchitected, or how can we make these vpns more effective and maintain security it sounds like a pretty big technical lift
2: it, it can be um, one thing i would say is let's let's not back off on the security piece because that's something that's obviously very important to, to us as, as citizens and whatnot our, our, our private information and whatnot but um, I, I found that in many instances, one of the best things is really having visibility into the traffic, being able to really look at it and say, well, what is all this really? I mean, I know this pipe is really fast and it's really full, but let, let's be honest, what is on that pipe? What percentage of it is legitimate traffic? What percentage of it may be you know, secondary or tertiary traffic? And that's one of the things that obviously the, the OEMs that we work with provide us solutions to give that end user visibility and that quality of service and, and to provide more um, intelligent network services with things like compression and deep duplication and various other pieces of altering the way the traffic actually flows to make it more efficient instead of you know, kind of just grinding out, just putting in a bigger pipe. That used to be the answer was just get a bigger pipe. It's like, that's not really cost effective these days. So again, why don't we get visibility into that traffic, figure out the good stuff from the bad stuff and let's cull the bad traffic out of the network.
1: So that's basically what I would call optimization if you can get there. And Robert, more about how that might work.
3: Yeah, so, you know, the, the main thing is focus on what you can actually control. Right. So when it comes to some of these outside services that are going to be potentially inspecting the traffic or, you know, doing things like that, you know, there's only so much that you can do. So the the first step, in my opinion, is, you know, to what he was saying, identify what is actually on the network. What are those specific applications? What are the workloads? What's associated with mission critical things? What's, you know, less less important and then control that traffic. Right. So making sure that you're prioritizing the most important stuff and deprioritizing everything else. And then where there's portions of the network that you can apply different technologies around optimizations, things like that. So Riverbed has a number of solutions in that area. Um, but, you know, focus on what it is that you can actually control and don't try to boil the ocean. And look, take those incremental steps to, you know, add add one piece to make things a little bit better and just keep layering that on and not look for, you know, I can put one thing and it's going to solve all my problems because that's, that's never going to happen.
1: Sure. And I just wanted to just pull on this thread one more time. We've been talking about the VPN model. Is that pretty much the only model there is for remote connectivity that agencies are deploying? Does anybody have direct connections to their house, the secretaries, or and does that really matter?
3: Yeah, it's, it's basically only going to be VPN. You know, there's probably some folks in the government that have some sort of direct connecti- connectivity to their home. But my, I imagine there's probably just a couple of those people out there. Um, everybody else is going to be connecting over VPN or they're going to be using something that looks essentially exactly like a VPN um, and that's, that's where the choke points are going to exist. Okay, so then
1: we have the challenge of cybersecurity and performance and so the answer is optimization and then maybe in the next segment let's talk about some of the details of how do you optimize and how to get there so that you're making the best uses of the resources that you have. And on that note, we will take a short break. Guests today are Peter Marshall, Solutions Architect at Thundercat Technology, Robert Schumann, Deputy Chief Technical Officer at Riverbed. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on this discussion, Keeping Teams Together While Staying Far Apart, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed here on Federal News Network.
0: Get in-office-like productivity in a work-from-home environment with Riverbed and Thundercat Technology. Thundercat, in partnership with Riverbed, provides faster, reliable performance for business-critical SaaS and on-premise applications, reduce network bandwidth by up to 99% with Riverbed's client accelerator application, and access critical work applications 10 times faster from home with office-like speed. Riverbed and Thundercat, helping government streamline workforce productivity anywhere, anytime.
1: Welcome back to our discussion, keeping teams together while working far apart sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Peter Marshall, Solutions Architect at Thundercat Technology, and Robert Schumann, Deputy Chief Technical Officer at Riverbed. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And before the break, we established there are two basic challenges here to keep this telework explosion going and keeping government missions delivered. One is maintaining cybersecurity with all of the VPN use and all the remote access, and the other is maintaining performance So that users don't have a terrible experience and they can keep working. So you've got to kind of attack those simultaneously, the maintenance of cyber and the optimization of performance. Peter, we'll start with you. What are the steps to doing that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a multi-phased approach. Again, there's not one silver bullet that you can basically fix everything all at once. So as, as I touched on a little bit earlier, we want to first be able to identify what is our mission critical traffic? What is the stuff that really does need to get through? And that's through again, visibility. Um, and then once we've identified that piece of traffic is to optimize those, those flows of data as it were to again, keep the important stuff on top and the less important stuff push down to the bottom. But I don't always see security versus optimization as alternate sides of a coin. Um, I, I, I more see them functioning together, uh, each providing its own unique role within the organization. Again, one, to be securing it, which doesn't mean it has to be slow. And two, to make it fast, which doesn't mean it has to be insecure. The, the way that we should do it should be, again, like a holistic approach, not Overemphasizing letting the pendulum swing too far in any one direction.
1: Got it. And Robert, from some things you said earlier, especially with respect to controlling the traffic, that seems to be a clue and a key here, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So, you know, one of the main things is obviously to have visibility, right? The primary mechanisms you can use are really going to be flow. So, net flow coming off of the devices in your network as well as packets, right? So, those are the, the two sources of information taking that data, identifying what are the key applications, making sure that you're controlling them, right? And then when you're looking at the end user experience, you know, don't make decisions about, well, I'm just gonna turn split tunneling on or degrade my security posture because I wanna improve user experience. There's other choices that are there, specifically doing things like QoS, uh, maybe adjusting your your network uh, topology within some of your infrastructure, because it may not be in the best situation to support a very large user load. Um, and then you know, another piece is to actually go through and, and you can deploy uh, different technology to the endpoint. So one of the things that we have is a client accelerator that does byte level deduplication of the data that is sent by the client uh, over the VPN to the data center. So this basically removes redundant data that people would be uh, accessing. So you know, there's a lot of different approaches that you can take. Um, the main thing is you, know, you need to keep the VPN moving as uh, smoothly as possible.
1: That deduping idea of, especially in the federal setting, when you've got all these documents going back and forth. I mean, this is what federal agencies do very often is handle large documents. And now you've got all of this traffic of processing applications under the CARES Act, trillions of dollars of loans and grants and so forth, all with documents, all that need multiple handling by multiple people. I would think that deduplication and just transmitting changes instead of call documents back and forth, that seems like really key to keeping your traffic under control, getting the most out of your networks and VPNs.
3: Yeah, that's, that's basically what Riverbed's uh, entire business is built on, is removing redundant data from networks and applications. And so as an example, let's say that you have to take a document down, it's on, you know 10 megs and you wanna make a small edit to it. Um, our, the technology that we have on the client accelerator would essentially make it so that when you push that document back up to where it is, we're only gonna send those changes. So that small set of bytes instead of that entire document. And when you look at doing an approach like that across you know, a couple of users, and then now in some cases we have customers that are doing 80, 90,000 users, that's a tremendous amount of data that can be removed, freeing up those VPNs to be able to you know, provide quality video like we're getting you know, right now, to provide you know, good VoIP quality um, and, and things of that nature.
1: And Peter, what are some good deployment strategies? How can agencies now midstream, while all of this crisis is happening and it could go on for a while, how do they they insert the types of technologies they need to get optimized and maintain security?
2: Sure. Um I found most of my customers currently have some sort of software distribution model for things like patching of of their various endpoint devices for distribution of software to those end users and stuff. So generally I'm able to leverage whatever that existing technology is that is already hooked into their network and is used to deploy other software packages. Because for instance, with the client accelerator, it's really a small piece of software that you basically run on the machine and then, as you said, it's gonna sit there and locally start caching things, doing that byte level deduplication, as you mentioned, not file level, but byte level, which can tremendously reduce the amount of file, the amount of transfer on the network. But yeah, normally for these types of uh, pieces, there's some hardware or virtual machine or software that runs in the data center, and then there's that end user piece. And once those two are connected up, they'll start to work together and figure out, you know, do I need to send this? Have I already sent this? Um, when have I seen this type of data before?
1: So basically you need kind of a lightweight type of approach to this. It's not something you can program for three years, but something small that can be on either end here.
2: Yeah, yes. Um, well, it's it's, normal, it's going to be on both ends, but the data center side is, is very relatively straightforward to set up. I mean, I've done it in, you know, couple hours, that type of thing, um, depending on how large your deployment is. So it's not something that would normally take tremendous amounts of time. I mean, if, if I had a customer tell me today they wanted it by Friday, I could probably have a good, a, at least a good working concept up and running for them.
1: And of course, our bigger theme here is not so much technology, but actually keeping teams together while working apart. And Robert, what are some of the results you've seen in terms of work being done and customer client constituent federal employee satisfaction?
3: Yeah, so, you know, the biggest thing is now we're not having face-to-face communication with people, right? So we're not in the office anymore. And we're, you know, inside our, our organization, you know, uh, for, for our federal team, we're actually running virtual happy hours on Wednesdays, right, so not everyone's drinking, but we're at least going in, we're gonna decompress, and, and we're gonna try to um, maintain that, that social relationship, you know, video, hugely important just to be able to see people's faces, um, to be able to, you know, properly communicate, right. You need to see facial expressions you need to get, you know, uh, connected with people. So, so video is critical. Um, and you know, people need to kind of deal with the fact that, you know, uh, you have your, your coworkers, they have their, you know, their spouse at home, they have their kids at home, right. You know, People are going to have things going on in their life that they're going to have to attend to. So, you know, have a little bit more uh, flexibility um, and, and, you know, demand a little bit more uh, more flexibility as well. Because, you know, this is a a bit of an odd situation for us all to be in.
1: All right, good note to end on. I want to thank today's guests Peter Marshall is Solutions Architect at Thundercat Technology, and Robert Schumann is Deputy Chief Technical Officer at Riverbed. And I'm your moderator, Tom Tennant. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, log on to federalnewsnetwork.com and search Thundercat.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion, Keeping Teams Together While Working Far Apart, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and Riverbed on Federal News
2: Network.